Hello everyone, welcome back to Leadership Talks. I'm your host Stephen Schulte, and on today's episode, we will be covering enabling others to act, as well as giving you some advice and tips on job hunting. Welcome back everyone. Today I am joined by Olivia Hood and Devin Cantrell. Olivia, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello everyone, my name is Olivia Hood and I am actually the LDP coordinator. I went through the program as a student as well and graduated last May. I'm currently getting my master's in public health at SIU right now. I finished my undergrad in biomedical physics last spring. And a fun fact about me is that I enjoy visiting new national parks every year. All right, and uh, my name is Devin Cantrell. I'm a um, senior here in uh, electrical engineering at SIU. I'm a former alumni of the LDP, and uh, I'm back here to have a sort of reunion of sorts with uh, my former LDP pals, so looking forward to it. Well, I'm really glad to have you guys on. Uh, First, I would like to cover enabling others to act. So how we can encourage people to get out there and do things, join new groups, um, participate in activities, and things like that. Olivia, you mentioned that you are the LDP coordinator. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go about enabling others to act and encouraging them? Yeah, absolutely. So enabling others to act is actually one of my favorite practices, and it's because it's fully dealing with people. So for enabling others to act, that is the whole reason that we're able to keep the program going and keep our students involved. Um, The biggest thing for that is building relationships and trust with those you're working with. And that's one of my biggest goals as LDP coordinator is to build trust with all of my students and any other partners that we may work with inside or outside of the program. It goes to show that if someone can rely on you and trust you, um, they're going to do a lot more for you and show up for you. And that's the second component to enabling others to act is developing competence for whatever you're doing. So making sure that you're able to show up for your team, you are competent in what you're doing and you know what's going on. So through LDP, I've tried this over the years. I did this as the student president and I do it even more now as coordinator with our students, especially if you're coaching them on time management, organization skills or public speaking you better be able to show it up, show up and do just as well as the, you're asking them to do. So having that competence and knowing what's going on is extremely important before you're asking them to do whatever task. So especially before um, every year when we're asking them to do presentations in the Thursday morning meetings, it's always important for us to model the way first and show them what a good presentation looks like before we're asking them to do that. But also building those relationships and trust So if someone's struggling or having a hard time, they feel comfortable coming to you, getting that constructive feedback, and getting helps and tips for it. Now, enabling others to act isn't just like showing them how to do it, but opening up opportunities and giving them pathways to do what they enjoy. Uh, Devin, you are part of the Green Roof Project, which we have covered here before. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how Nelson opened up that pathway for you and enabled you to work on something um, in your career field? Uh, Yes. Uh, The thing about Green Roof is it's actually a, uh, it's a special team uh, when compared to many other teams out there. Uh, I've had a lot of workforce experience where it's not really, you got the team environment, but uh, they like to facilitate 
uh, individual quotas. They, it's a very individualistic mindset. So when you're on the job site, you have to hit certain production quotas or uh, the person who gets the most uh, done, if or how should we say, um, they would get a higher reward than everybody else. So it's not really uh, team focused. And that really uh, fosters competition amongst group members, and that prevents them working as a coherent team. The thing I like about Green Roof is uh, we really don't see that there's a common goal that everybody's uh, working for. So that way we're actually going out there and actually trying to work as a team. We all have the same goal. When one person wins, everybody wins. Now, specifically me in, um, in general, uh, for my field, uh, Nelson needed a lot of electronical work done uh, in order to automate the green roof and then actually get uh, energy from it uh, in the terms of uh, electronics and then power infrastructure. So uh, there's not really too many people on the SIU campus in that specific area. So he went ahead and he reached out to me and um, came in. He's saying, hey, I could really use your help on this. And saw it as a great opportunity to go ahead and actually get experience uh, working on my own and doing some engineering work on my own. And that is actually just work mainly to increase my confidence in actual um, on-the-job skills, which will ultimately go on and uh, benefit me and others around me and on the team uh, into the future when we actually go out and are doing real-world work tests, so. So, what would you say is the most important part about enabling others to act? What is the number one thing that you can do to get people to go out and either open up opportunities for others or um, to encourage them to take those opportunities? Oh, okay. So, the... Uh... Sorry about that. The, the number one thing, the most important thing I would say that you can do is to um, make sure that they actually can see the same thing. You're seeing communication. Um, a lot of times the reason people don't take opportunities or don't take initiative or things like that is because uh, they don't recognize that opportunity, that the same one that you're looking at. So it's very important to actually go ahead and and in some cases, you might have to go ahead and actually um, shove it in their face like, you can do this, and it would be really great if you did. But And then they might go ahead and actually see that and then be able to easily take action. The, the very first thing is recognizing that there's an opportunity before you. Yeah, I think for me, um, really, it all goes back to those relationships and having people that really can rely on and trust you. So it goes much farther than just having someone like Devin and I, we have a good relationship and I know I can trust Devin. However, it goes farther past that. If there's something that Devin's passionate about and he really wanted help with, um, I would show up for him. And that you saw that with Green Roof and Nelson, how he really enabled so many people to act that were close to him when he started that team because they trusted him and they trusted in whatever vision he had. So building those relationships and those strong connections with people really ultimately will allow you to be able to have the platform to enable them to act. But drawing that picture and having an inspiring and shared vision is so important when you're trying to get people together. Now, 
we've talked a lot about enabling others to act um, and how it helps them gain experience. So I would like to move on now to um, job hunting and job experience. Uh, tips that we can give our listeners when they're looking for a job or they're looking um, to go into a field and what ways they can improve their chances of getting a job afterwards. Now, Devin, you just interviewed with Boeing and you've interviewed mm -hmm. with Hella before. So can you give us a bit of insight into the job hiring process? Uh, yeah. So from the point of view of the person actually going ahead and applying, uh, it's going to be kind of kind of rough in that you don't really know where you're going to go from there. It's going to take a it's going to take a while. Um, for me, I started last summer. This and uh, applied to a lot of different jobs, probably about maybe about a hundred just around the country. Um, one important thing that you got to keep in mind is a lot of everyone's being filtered through an algorithm. So you want to actually go ahead and read the uh, job descriptions and uh, tailor your resume accordingly. So I've been really trying to hit that point uh, this semester mainly. I've been doing it up until now, but really trying to drive home, really trying to perfect every little thing on that resume. And that has actually gone ahead and uh, helped me get some of these interviews. And, and another thing is it's important to have a network. Uh, most jobs I read the other day in the U.S. aren't actually advertised. Uh, they're given by people who know somebody in the office. They want that reference from somebody who they work with and they trust who's going to go ahead and vouch for you and say, this person, he can accomplish X, Y, and Z. He's a great candidate and we need him. Or she's a great candidate and we need her. And that sort of um, networking relationship actually is probably one of the most important things when it comes to actually uh, scoring that interview. And once you get into the interview, uh, a lot of people I hear like to be nervous. I, I was nervous my first few times, but um, like I said, the that guy with Hella uh, calls. He's telling me he's mainly he's just having a conversation with the person, and they want to go ahead and see if they can actually work with you, that you're not being um, mainly like, how should I say, robotic or um, mainly that you, that you can hold a conversation with and actually have a pleasant working relationship with. So it's not necessarily uh, there to drill you. It's there to actually go ahead and uh, get to kind of know what you're like so they can uh, understand what to expect and see if, hey, you'd be a, a good fit for this uh, office environment and the culture. Now, uh, your interview with Boeing was obviously online because um, COVID and everything. So can you tell us a little bit about the differences between like an in-person uh, interview and an online interview and how you adjusted? Uh, yes, online interviews are a lot more awkward, how should I say. Um, even if there's like a team of people there with you, they'll still go ahead and they'll, they'll stop. You'll, you'll be talking, you'll finish your answer, and they'll be quiet. And even though they tell you at the beginning not to, not to let that bother you, it, kinda, it still kind of does because... You can't like see the person, so they're they're just there taking notes, and you're you're kind of wondering, oh, I don't know if I did good or bad, or uh, was that the right answer? But 
And then also, it's kind of hard to gauge uh, emotional or facial uh, reactions to that. So, for me, the call with uh, Boeing seemed a little bit more formal. So, that one was kind of kind of, kind of um, nerve-wracking, if you will. Uh, just there being a team and everyone's just kind of taking notes. But uh, I feel I got through it. Uh, did a pretty, pretty good job there. Um, the one with Hella, it was just me one on one, just having a uh, talk or talking to the guy, not about like anything hard and technical. So it was just sort of a, a probing conversation, and that was um, it was it was more uh, more of a just one on one relationship. You know, you just have a phone call with a someone you met or a buddy. Uh, that's sort of what it is, and then uh, they go ahead and they'll. Um, bring in later if they can see that you can actually go ahead and hold a conversation and talk to people. So uh, really it's just realizing that online things are different and you're not going to be able to see the person, but still just kind of think of it like you're having a phone call with uh, a new friend or something like that. Kind of just keep in mind it's just a phone call. Yeah, so there's several tips I would have for anyone looking to go into the interview process or job hunting right now. And the first tip I have is definitely do your research about the company that you're trying to apply for. If you can make it to that job interview, like Devin said, but especially tailoring your resume like he's doing for whatever company you're looking at. Um, but second, if you're looking at that job interview and you go in there, knowing about the company outside of just logistics, but what are their mission? What's their vision? What do they value in their company? Try talking to someone that works there to see what their work culture is like. Getting to know that information and being able to put that inside of your interview answers is going to impress them so much, showing that you did the research, you really want to be there, showing that your own mission aligns with their company's mission and values. That's extremely important. Next is really just being yourself. Um, so often people get so nervous when they go into an interview that they feel like they have to be perfect or if they say one small thing or maybe if they, they have to tailor who they are for the job interview. And that's not what people want. They want to know who you are, um, what you're good at, and what you want to do for them. So really just being yourself and being able to talk about yourself too. That's something that's really hard for a lot of us. It's very hard to not feel boastful or that you're bragging when you're talking about yourself in an interview. But there's tactful ways to do that where you're just telling stories and you're using examples because that's what they want to hear. It's not boastful for you to do that. They want to hear what you're good at. They want to hear your accomplishments, which are very important. And the last big tip I have, which in LDP we do this and LDPers have done this in their interviews, which has gotten them the job before, is always send a thank you note after. So I know online world is much different now. However, um, if you can still get their address and send them an, a handwritten thank you note after your interview, that's always going to impress them and show that you're willing to go the extra mile. Yeah, I also had a, a few things on Olivia's first point. You said do research about the company, maybe their mission statement, uh, things like that. It's the, Every company has a mission statement, and that part's very important, but... Uh, as an outsider looking in, you are always going to have questions. Make sure you go ahead and ask questions like that about the company, pointed ones, that actually show that you're interested in the company at the end of the interview. It 
don't just say, nah, I don't have any, any questions. I, I kinda, it kind of, it kind of gives the illusion, uh, you might not necessarily be true, but it gives the illusion that uh, you're not as interested in working at the company. So go ahead and ask some pointed questions about that. And then uh, to tell them, talking about yourself, it was very important at Boeing to actually go ahead and uh, use what's called the STAR method, actually go ahead demonstrate what's going on in the situation when they ask for specific examples, say what you did specifically, and then give uh, the result of that. Uh, they're really interested in specific examples of where you've demonstrated uh, different skills or demonstrated leadership and things like that. So be specific about those examples. Now, um, something that I've always been told uh, when interviewing is if you get stuck, um, if you lose train of thought or if you just um, can't think of an answer immediately, is just be open with them and say, um, may I have a minute or um, may I restart? Um, have you, either of you, encountered that or had to do that? And how did the interviewer um, react to that? Um, when I interviewed, I kind of kind of stumbled around on a few questions. I uh, didn't uh, necessarily go ahead and uh, have to restart. Uh, there are a few points where I wasn't actually uh, for sure what they were asking or the specifics. Uh, so I went ahead, I, go ahead, ask for clarification. Uh, make sure that you're 100% like sure that you know what they're asking for. But uh, also, if you can't, if you're having trouble thinking of something, go ahead, take some time to think about it. Um, often a lot of people, they tend to rush through interviews because they get nervous. Uh, you want to go ahead and just slow her down. And then that kind of shows that you're more actually relaxed and you're prepared and you don't go ahead and actually uh, just start talking uh, gibberish, if you will. You actually have a point to your words. Yeah, I've only had that happen to me once, thankfully. And it was in an interview a couple summers ago for one of my internships. And it was in a very casual setting um, for the interview. However, it was my first legitimate interview that I had ever been in, and I was a bag of nerves when I went in. And when they were starting to ask me questions, I froze during one of them. And I just very respectfully said, that's a fantastic question. Can I have a moment to think about my answer? And they were completely okay with it. I had two interviewers, and they just talked amongst themselves for a couple seconds. What's Something that's funny in interviews is time's always going quicker in your head than it is in reality. So I felt like I was sitting there for probably a minute or more trying to think about my answer. But in reality, I think it only maybe took me five to 10 seconds to pull something together. And it was much better having a well-worded and well-thought-out answer other than the gibberish that probably would have came out of my mouth if I would have just tried to talk about it right away. And they were very open and appreciative of that. Now, you just mentioned uh, a panel of interviewers. How is that different from interviewing with one singular person? Um, what are some strategies that you can use to make sure that all of the interviewers... Um, uh, how do I put this? How do you ensure that all of them know that you are talking to them or that you're not ignoring one of them? Yeah, so that's a really great question, and I think this is something that we practice in LDP anyways, but it all comes down to eye contact and being very intentional with that. So making sure when you're giving your answers 
you're not just giving them to one person on the panel. Typically, one person will be asking everything, but all of those people want the answers, right? So making sure as you're answering those questions, you're making eye contact with each individual down the table um, and even doing hand gestures towards them when necessary. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of those uh, formats where online is kind of better because they can't tell you're singling one person out. So you can kind of get away with that when you're doing an online interview, uh, unless it's over Zoom or Cisco. So that way uh, they're actually seeing what you're saying you're on the camera so um, but for the most part online interview this is what if if you have trouble with that sort of thing um it's actually uh better to go online so that's a that's a plus of the modern world and then another thing that i would like to touch on um i just interviewed for an ra position and i noticed that um, whenever i was able to make some kind of connection with my interviewer um whether it was like sharing a story that made them laugh or uh, whenever they would mention something about their past, um, talking about that for a second, um, kind of branching off the interview and making personal connections, it seemed to be very helpful. Um, Can you give us some insight into that um, or how you've done that in the past and how it affected your interview? Yeah, so I would say personal connections will get you so far in any setting, whether it's a workplace setting, whether it's in general in life, but especially in an interview. If you're able to connect with that person, um, that means you're not just a name on a sheet and the resume that they have in a big binder that they're crossing off for one appointment that day. Instead, you're going to be a memory for them and something that they connected to. So when they're looking through that interview process at the end of the day, and looking at all of their candidates, you're going to stand out to them. Maybe not as much as because of your speaking skills or a great answer that you gave, but they felt connected to you in a different way. Um, And I think that that shows in any type of field you're in. Um, The internship I recently just got, I had actually only was offered the internship because I went to a mentor of mine and asked her for connections she may have of the type of internship I was looking for. And because of that, she said, well, I think I might have an internship for you instead. Um, So making those personal connections with people really can open up a lot more doors than you realize. And another aspect of that is that uh, empathy aspect, because they they have that memory of you. Uh, They obviously know what you feel like, and uh, they're definitely going to understand that you're a little bit nervous or are desperate for a job, maybe in some circumstances, uh, who knows, but... Uh, they're going to go ahead and actually um, try try to alleviate that for you because they understand what it's like. So maybe that'll um, tend towards them uh, thinking more of you as the candidate, seeing you in that position because they saw themselves there. So that's uh, another great point that Olivia makes on that connections. And then uh, the last sort of topic that I really want to cover here is uh, dressing up for an interview. Uh, The importance of making sure that um, you're not underdressed or overdressed um, because sometimes if you overdress, they really won't like it because they might feel that you're stuffy or that you're not a good fit. So can you tell us a little bit about finding a balance um, when you're deciding how to dress and present yourself for an interview? Well, I mean, I don't think you can really go wrong with a, a button-up shirt so long as there's nothing 
it's not too busy or anything like that. A simple plaid or plain button-up shirt and some nice pants uh, should get you through pretty much anywhere you apply if it's in the technical field. Um, if Obviously, if you're going into some something like business or management or an office-like position, I would think that you'd probably need a suit or a tie, but uh, in my experience, if you're just going into a, a factory setting, a lot of people uh, really there in management and places like that, they just wear simple uh, dress shirts, uh, khaki pants. Um, the dress kind of shows, if you dress like that, they kind of see you, um, they can more easily see you fitting in uh, to that culture there as opposed to if uh, I'm going to apply to be an engineer at a plant and I go and wear in a suit, it might set them off because nobody's really ever going to practically wear a suit there unless there's someone from upper management or corporate who's visiting the plant. So that dressing with just uh, business casual, something like that, but make sure it's, uh, you're you're stiffed up, you're, everything's tucked in, your hair is well done, uh, that'll go ahead and show them that you A, care, and B, you're not trying to over-project that you care about your appearance, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree with Devin. I think that there's two things that when you go into an interview, create their first impression of you. First is if you're early for the interview. Um, if you are on time or late, that's automatically going to give you a bad first impression. And second is how you're dressed. Um, so I've been the interviewee, and I've also been on the other side where I've helped with interviews. And someone may come in dressed, say the workplace is a casual place, everyone wears jeans. If they come in dressed in jeans, although that is the attire for the place, they're not going to be as impressed as someone that comes in business casual and just showing that they are taking this seriously and that this is formal to them, even if that is not what they're going to wear day to day. Um, now, and there's other settings where you do need to dress business professional. Um, and I absolutely agree that, especially for our engineers, there's a sweet spot for that of where you're not too professional, uh, but you're still dressed up enough. And in my field, it's the same way. However, um, you always want to make sure that you're at least meeting their dress standard. So doing your research for that company of are they casual all the time or are they business professional all the time? If you walk into a company that dresses business professional and you're only dressed business casual, that's not going to look the greatest for you. So A, doing your research before and B, having someone look at you before and how you're dressed to make sure it looks appropriate. You're not going too over the top. Um, you don't have too much going on and you look nice for your interview. I don't think that there's too many scenarios where you can be very overdressed um, as long as you do that research beforehand and know what they typically wear. And then if anything, if um, they do dress more casual, just doing one step up from that is a great rule of thumb. Right. Well, uh, we are about out of time. Um, it's been a pleasure having both of you here. Do you have any uh, parting tips or last words uh, to say before you go? Um, I think as the job season opens up and as everyone's searching, really just do your best and be confident in yourself. And that's what's going to carry you through that process. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's about the same. Uh, go ahead and just keep having uh, faith. Something I'll go ahead and actually land eventually. You'll end up um, eventually doing something that you love. So uh, just keep on the straight path. Uh, persistence is what wins the day. 
in the end of the day, it all comes down to who stuck with it the longest. So, well, thank you both so much for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure, and I hope that we get to have you on again another time. Thank you for having us. Thank you much.